Good afternoon. It is a, a joy and a blessing, um, a privilege that God has given us, that we're able to be here together uh, to remember all that he's done for us, um, to worship him, and to open up his word together. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God's word is able to nourish us and give us life. It's able to, to comfort us, to encourage us, to give us hope, to motivate and stir us up, to inform, equip, teach, train. But it's also intended to correct us, to reprove, to rebuke, to convict us. If you never feel corrected by the things that are said from this pulpit, then we probably aren't doing things right. Because that's part of how God intends for his word to be used. That, that's part of making us complete, uh, fully equipping us in our service to him. Part of the reasons that we open up our Bibles together each week is for God to show us what we're doing wrong and what we need to change. I say all of that today um, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that there may be some people who will feel personally attacked by the things that we're about to talk about together. And I'll be honest with you, that makes me really uncomfortable. Um, I, I know that I need God's correction or reproof just as much as anybody else. Um, that we all have areas that we need to, to grow, that we need to change. But as I seek to look into the mirror of God's word myself, I recognize that part of what God intends for, for teachers of his word to do um, is to help others look into the mirror of his word as well. Uh, and, and that's what I hope to accomplish today. I, I, I fully recognize I have no power or authority to correct or to rebuke, to judge. Um, but God's word does. And so my prayer today is that if you do end up feeling uh, attacked by the things that we discuss, uh, that it will not be from the words or opinions of Grady Huggins, um, but that it might be from the correction or reproof of God's word. And if that is what you feel, um, I pray you'll be convicted, uh, that you'll be changed by it, so that you can be fully equipped uh, and complete in your service to the Lord. I hope that you know that I genuinely love you and I care about your soul and I want to see you grow and I want to see you thrive in your service to the Lord. And that's the only reason that I'm up here. Today I want to consider the importance of the assembly. Sometimes when we discuss the assembly, we, we focus a lot on church attendance. Uh, questions like, how often does one need to attend services? What, what constitutes faithful attendance? What are legitimate and illegitimate reasons to miss the assembly? Does attending online fulfill my obligation to assemble with the saints? At what point can it be said someone is forsaking the assembly? I want you to know, I, I don't plan to directly answer any of those questions today. Um, I, I'd encourage you to think about those things. 
for yourself as we study through the lesson today. Because uh, I think those are all legitimate questions that we need to ask. But, but I'm afraid that if that's where our focus is and that's what we talk about, uh, that we're, we're really reflecting the wrong focus. Uh, because those questions primarily approach the assembly from a place of obligation, from a place of, of outward requirement or responsibility, uh, rather than addressing what I believe to be the most important issue, which is the heart. Uh, I think if we properly address the why of the assembly, fully comprehending its importance, its value, uh, as God designed it, and fix the motivation problem, a lot of those questions that we just talked about are, are going to kind of work themselves out. And so what I want us to talk about today is why should we be passionately and deeply committed to the local church? What makes the assembly so important? Where I want to start is by talking about the importance of the assembly for me, for, for ourselves, for our own encouragement and growth. And I think this is often uh, one of the main things that we emphasize. Uh, when, when people are struggling in their, their church attendance, uh, we very readily talk to them about why they need it. Uh, you need to be here for, for you. Without the edification and encouragement of the brethren that, that God has designed for you, you can't be spiritually healthy and, and growing and thriving the way that God intends. That's part of his design. Uh, you're going to end up starving spiritually. There's an illustration that I've heard uh, about a, an elder, a shepherd of a church, who went on one cold winter's night to the house of a wayward member, who hadn't been uh, attending faithfully for some time. And as he was welcomed into this man's house, uh, they, they sat together next to the fire. And the, the owner of the house fully anticipated a very harsh rebuke from this elder uh, because of his absence uh, at the, the church assembly. But, but at first, the elder didn't say anything. Um, they just sat there for a little bit, uh, and he looked into the fire and after a few moments, he took some tongs from the, the side of the, the fireplace and, and he picked up uh, a brightly glowing ember from the center of the fire. And he put it out on the, on the bricks of the hearth and he just set it there and sat uh, and looked at it. And as they both sat there in silence looking at this glowing ember, it grew darker and darker and colder and colder until eventually the light was completely extinguished. It sat there for a few moments of solemn silence. Then the elder picked back up the lifeless coal and he set it into the middle of the fire and very quickly started burning bright just as much as it had been a few moments earlier. The shepherd hadn't said anything. <laughs> But he just preached an entire sermon. Uh, we need the, the warmth, the, the fire, the, the, the zeal, uh, the encouragement of our brethren to stir us up and help keep us burning brightly in our service to the Lord. No matter how bright our light may be burning, uh, on our own, we are doomed to burn out. Because that's not God's design for us. That's not how he made things. And he knows what we need. 
right? God did not design us to live our spiritual lives in isolation. I need my brethren. I, I need you. And that's how God designed it. The Bible uses many different illustrations to describe our relationship and dependence upon the local assembly. Um, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here we see the illustration of the body. Read with me starting in verse 17. It says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. But what's God teaching us through this illustration? We need one another. The whole body cannot be a single member. It, it doesn't work that way. It can't live and thrive on its own. God has given us all different talents, different strengths and weaknesses, different roles, designing it so that uh, on our own we're incomplete. We need each other to function and to grow properly the way he intends for us to spiritually. And to remove ourselves from the regular assembly is tantamount to amputation. You know, you think about that illustration that, that the, the elder, the shepherd, gave the man of, of the burning coal. Imagine if he had used this illustration instead. If he cut off a limb and sat it there on the, the hearth. Would, would that drive home the point to us? How long is that limb going to, to, to live on its own? Uh, very gruesomely so. It's, it's going to bleed out. It's going to die. That's the picture of what we are on our own. God's design for our growth is that we be an active member of the body. Where do you see yourself in that illustration? Are you an active part of the body knit together with, with ligaments and, and tendons? Um, are you a fully incorporated part of the circulation system, giving and receiving life? That's the way God designed the body, and that's the way he designed his church. If it's going to live, if it's going to grow, that's the kind of relationship that we need with one another. He also illustrates uh, the church as a flock. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, he, he talks there at the beginning of the chapter to shepherds, instructing them uh, as they seek to shepherd the flock, as they seek to be examples to the flock. And I don't think it's a mistake that just a few verses later, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, Peter warns, Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Do you see that context? Shepherds, the flock, the lion. Which sheep is the lion going to target most? Is he going to just kind of rush madly toward the middle of the, the, the flock? Uh, well, usually he's going to, to pick off the sheep on the outskirts all, all by itself, removed from the flock. Where, where, where do you see yourself standing in relationship to the flock? 
You know, if, if a sheep goes multiple days, weeks, maybe months, without seeing another sheep of the flock, would you say it's still part of the flock? You know, I think it's probably out in the wilderness all on its own. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's not God's design for his people. That's not God's design for our protection, for our spiritual health and growth. The Bible uses the illustration of an army. Uh, Paul talks about multiple people as fellow soldiers. He talks about the spiritual warfare that we're in. How do warriors fight any battle? They venture out on their own fighting those battles. No, Paul, Paul says he's my fellow soldier of Epaphroditus. We need to be fighting alongside one another. That's God's design. If we're going to, to win this fight, that we have that support. When you think about the spiritual battles that you face, how many of these brethren have you allowed to come alongside you in that fight? How many people here have you opened up to about the spiritual war that, that's going on inside you? Or would you say in most temptations that you face um, that you're really fighting those on your own? That's not God's design. God's design is that we be supporting one another, encouraging one another, keeping each other accountable in that fight. The Bible uses the illustration of a temple. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 5, it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. You know, sometimes we use the word edification, uh, building up one another. That, that comes from the word edifice, a building, a house, right? And so this illustration of our spiritual growth is this idea of, of building we're each stones in that building, in that temple. How useful, how tall of a structure can you build with a single stone? Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? No, the, these stones have to be stacked on top of each other, right? And that's part of God's design. First and foremost, we're on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, but, but God intends that we be stacked on top of each other. How many of these brethren here would you say your spiritual life is stacked upon? Have you welcomed to, to, to be that kind of support and encouragement to you? How many brethren here would you say you've been that kind of support to? That's God's design for who we are to be as a church, for our growth. God, design, God illustrates uh, the church as a family. We're brothers and sisters, we have a companionship, a fellowship that draws us together, gives us that comfort and strength. If your physical family had the level and amount of, of communication and interaction that you have with these brethren here, how close-knit of a family would that be? Um, or would you say that's a dysfunctional family? I can't answer any of those questions for you, but, but I hope we can see what God's intent is. We're supposed to be a body, a flock, fighting our spiritual battles alongside one another, a temple, a family. God designed it this way because we need one another. Turn your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4.
Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Read with me starting in verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. God shows us the value of relationships. Verse 9, our, our labor, our work is going to be more effective. We're not supposed to be doing the Lord's work all on our own. We're supposed to be doing it with one another. Uh, there is, is safety uh, in numbers, accountability in numbers. If, if we fall, we need to have somebody close enough to us to, to know that we've fallen, to be there, to reach out, to help pick us back up. We need the warmth, as we talked about earlier, uh, of, of the zeal and passion and encouragement of our brethren stirring us up when we begin to get cold. We need our fellow soldiers, in verse 12, fighting those battles with us. On our own, we will fail. On our own, we will be ineffective. On our own, we will fall. And there won't be somebody there to pick us up. That's not what God intends for us. If we're going to grow, if we're going to thrive in our service to the Lord, we need one another. We need to be close-knit to one another, to be part of that body, part of that flock, part of that temple, part of that family. But not only uh, can we not grow as God wants us to grow without the assembly, we can't serve as God wants us to serve. Not only should we talk about the importance of the assembly to me, maybe more importantly, we need to talk about the importance of the assembly to my brethren. This is, in fact, where God puts the focus. Turn your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Whenever we think about church attendance, this is probably the first passage that our minds come to, but, but what is the focus of this passage? Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, maybe first and foremost, the, the point that we should be making, the point that God is making, isn't you need to be here for you. No, God says you need to be here for somebody else. You need to be here for one another. And so when I enter the assembly, my, my focus shouldn't be, well, what, what, what can you do for me? Encourage me. Serve my needs. Make me feel good. You know, if that's my focus, um, if that's everybody's focus here, you know what? Every single person is going to go home discouraged. Nobody's going to be encouraged. Nobody's going to be stirred up to love and good works. My focus needs to be, what can I do for you? 
I'm here to encourage. I'm here to build up. I'm here to, to, to get close enough to my brethren so that I know what's going on in their lives, so that I can be there to, to pick them up when they fall in, that I can fight their spiritual battles alongside them, that I can give them the, the kind of nourishment that God intends for me to, to provide to the to fellow parts of this body. That needs to be our focus. It, it, my motivation, first and foremost, needs to be love, not just some sense of, of obligation. A requirement. You know, it, it's not suddenly okay to be self-centered when it comes to the assembly, uh, when it comes to, to worship, when it comes to my spiritual life. Um, we need, first and foremost, to be God-centered, but part of being God-centered is being one another-centered. Think about the first and second greatest commandment. First and foremost, we need to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, but that command doesn't stand on its own because Jesus brings a second command there to us. You, you can't separate the first from the second. And the second is that we love our neighbor as ourselves. If we truly love God, First John tells us, we have to love our brother. And so if I claim to love the Lord, I need to care deeply about these people the way that God cares about these people. Acts chapter 20 In verse 35, Paul remembers the words of Jesus when he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I don't think we're just talking about financial things there. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's use a body illustration for a moment. You you probably know many people uh, who have circulation issues, right? Maybe because of diabetes. What, What happens when you have a part of the body, the feet perhaps, that receive more blood, more nourishment than they give. Well, that's not very healthy for the body, is it? It's really not healthy for any part of the body, but it's certainly not healthy for the feet. They begin to swell. God's design for, for my growth is that I be focused on giving, not just receiving. That I be focused on giving encouragement, giving that spiritual support. And so everything that we said about the importance of my need for the assembly is true of my brother's need for the assembly that's sitting next to me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 tell us, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. In each assembly, in every act of worship, we must truly consider how we can stir up and encourage our brethren. I'm afraid sometimes we we make decisions about what we are and aren't going to be a part of based on how I perceive it's going to affect me. Is this going to give me the encouragement that I need? Is this going to to feed me the way that I want to be fed? Uh, Teach me what I feel like I need to learn at this point? That's not the focus. You don't just need to be here and be part of what we're doing uh, because of what it's going to give you. You need to be here so you can encourage the people around you. And and if we happen to be, you know, studying on marriage and you're not married or studying about, uh, you know, raising our children and you don't have children, it's not suddenly, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, that wasn't the focus in the first place. The focus was you need to be here to encourage the people around you. To serve your part in the body. That's God's design. To consider one another. 
how you can stir up one another to loving good works. And that, that applies all of the time. <laughs> Everything that we said about our need for the brethren is also true about their need for me. We all have work to do. We all are needed. We all have an important role to play. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 through 16 we looked at earlier, it says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. Is it any less a part of the body? If the ear says, because I am not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. Is it any less a part of the body? It doesn't matter what you think your role is. You have a role and you have an important role. You may not be able to serve the way that somebody else serves, but God's design for the body, for the growth of the body, isn't that there just be one or two or three or four, you know, really encouraging members and they're going to lift up everybody else. God's design for the growth of this body is that whatever strengths you have, whatever weaknesses you have, you focus on what you can do to encourage and build up the spiritual well-being of the souls around you. And if this body is going to grow, that is what it's going to require. There's no question about it. That's God's design. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Have you ever known somebody who, who's really strong, who, who, you know, has spent a lot of time working out, um, and yet all of a sudden they, they break a little bone like their collarbone. They pull a little ligament. You know, nobody's going around looking, see how strong my collarbone is? You know, <laughs> see how strong my ligaments are? Well, no, that, that's not normally where we put the emphasis. But the moment you take that away, what happens? It doesn't matter how strong the muscles are doesn't matter how small you think your role is. It's extremely important because that's the way that God designed it. And that's part of the reason that, that we try to take time to talk to people about becoming members of this flock, of this body. Because it's not like being a member of, of AAA. It's not like being a, a member at the local library. It's not just about what you hope to receive from this. It's about a responsibility that you're fulfilling. We want to make sure you understand that. We don't want that to be something that comes up much later that we, oh, I didn't realize that that's what it meant. No, that's what it means. And we want to understand that. We want all of us to understand that. No matter who you are, you have an important work to do and a role to play. And when you're not here to fulfill that role, the body suffers. An empty pew does not encourage anyone. In fact, it may discourage those around you. You don't just need to be here for yourself. You need to be here because you have a responsibility to this body, this flock, this temple, this family. We need you. And let me say that this one reason that attending services online um, can't ultimately be a replacement for being here in the assembly. Um, there's some judgments that are going to need to be made. Each person is going to need to make that judgment themselves. Um, but it cannot ultimately replace what God designed for the assembly and his people. 
Perhaps you're getting some of the encouragement that you need through it, but you cannot be serving these brethren the way God intends or fulfilling your responsibility to the body from the other side of a computer screen. A name on a screen doesn't edify, encourage, and stir me up the way that a living, breathing human being sitting next to me, opening their Bible next to me, praying next to me, worshiping God next to me does. That's his design. And I'm afraid uh, sometimes we, we start thinking about the assembly more as a consumer than as a participant. That's not what God intends. You need to be here, not just for yourself, but for your brethren. But let's look at uh, a third point. Let's talk about its importance to God. How does God feel about the assembly? How does God feel about his church? You know, think, first of all, um, about the church as his bride. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 30. Consider the love that he has for his bride. Here in Ephesians 5 and in many places throughout the scripture, God uses the most intimate relationship possible on this earth to describe the intimacy uh, that he has with with his church, the love that he has for his church. And we see that Christ loves his church. He nourishes and cherishes her. He laid down his life for her. How invested are we in that relationship? Would we say that we're as invested in the bride of Christ as as Christ himself is? Think about this in the context of the Lord's Supper. Um, we, We might think about the Lord's Supper in some senses as as a funeral, right? We're, we're remembering the death of the Lord. But really more than that, you could almost think of the Lord's Supper as an anniversary celebration. Remember what Jesus says, this cup is the blood of the new covenant, or the new covenant in my blood. The idea of covenant is this idea of marriage, right? We're reminded of the covenant that we're a part of. Imagine if your spouse was to schedule a a day um, on which they were going to have a nice fancy dinner for your anniversary. And and while they're sitting at the restaurant waiting for you to arrive, you get caught up at work. Uh, You schedule some other activity when you're supposed to be there celebrating your anniversary. Maybe you go home and take a nap and and oversleep. You uh, are at home watching your favorite program on TV. What would you say about your attitude towards your relationship with your wife or your husband? It doesn't look like we're very invested in that relationship, does it? But is that not what we sometimes do towards the Lord by forsaking our anniversary dinner with him? The memorial of of the covenant that we've made with him? The Lord's Supper is not some checklist item that, you know, as long as I'm there for that, I met my requirement. No, it's one of the most significant things that that we're doing together. But it's about our relationship. Um, It's extremely important to our relationship with the Lord and with his bride. As we think about that, think also about the importance of the assembly to God as his possession. 
Consider the price that he paid for it. Uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, as Paul is talking to some of the Ephesian elders there, he encourages them, shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You know, what you're willing to pay for something shows how much you value it. What was Jesus willing to pay? His blood. His life. He was willing to be mocked and and spat upon, beaten, scourged, a crown of thorns upon his head, nails in his hands. Why? Because of how much he cared about these people, about me and about you. What about me? What am I willing to sacrifice for God's people? You know, is, is three or four hours a week, that, that just seems like a little bit much of a sacrifice for God's people. Is it too much to ask that we sacrifice some of our leisure time, that, that we construct our schedules around the assembly of the saints? That we forego time at work or with friends or family or other activities to be here with the people that Jesus died for? That we get up a little bit earlier? Or, or stay up a little bit later if we need to, so that we can spend time with God's people. And the first century church followed that example of Jesus. They were willing to die for the assembly. Think about the time of government persecution um, in the Roman Empire, where, where families were literally risking their lives to be in the assembly with the saints. There were families that witnessed their children, their their brother, their sister, their their mother, their father, dragged off, impaled, burned, crucified, given to the lions. And they were going to assemble with the saints, no matter what it cost. What about us? What's our excuse? Are we willing to sacrifice what Jesus has sacrificed, what God's people have sacrificed? You know, well, it's getting to be supper time. I better get out of here pretty quick. (laughs) You know, that the time that we're assembling really, really doesn't work too well for me. You know, we... And I didn't mean to make a reference to us thinking about changing our time. We want to do what's most convenient for the most people. But let's make sure our attitude about it is that we're willing to do whatever it takes to be with God's people. And as his body, let's consider how we treat it. Matthew 25 and verse 40 says, The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What if you knew that that Jesus was going to be here in the flesh in our Tuesday night midweek service? What would you do in that situation? I'm going to drop everything. Jesus is going to be there. I want to be there. Brother, Jesus is going to be there. His body is going to be there. And the way that we treat his body is the way that we treat him. And that, that applies more than just our assembly. That applies to how we function in supporting and encouraging one another day by day by day. But if it applies anywhere, certainly it applies within the assembly. 
What kind of excuses would we allow ourselves to make uh, if Jesus were in fact going to be here? Don't let Satan deceive you, brethren. Um, If you care about these souls the way that Jesus cares about these souls, it's going to show. It's going to show in the choices you make. It's going to show in the way that you spend your time in seeking to build up and encourage these brethren. What kind of excuses would you make? Would you allow plans with friends and family to come before the assemblies of the church? Would you skip out on on Bible class so the church didn't take up quite as much of your time? Um, Would you skip out on midweek service or check out early because it's a little bit inconvenient with other aspects of your schedule? If we view the church the way that Jesus does, what kind of decisions are we going to make about it? I can't answer all of those questions for you, and I I don't want to. Um, I'm not the judge. But if you feel convicted or attacked today um, by what you've heard from God's word, you have a very important decision to make. Are you going to to push that feeling of conviction away? Are you going to make excuses? Um, Maybe get upset at me? (laughs) I hope not. Um, Or are you going to let God's word do its work and repent? Brethren, I care about you. I love you. And I want to see you growing and thriving spiritually the way that God does. Um, If there's anything that we can do to help you, that's why we're here to be a body, to be a family, to be a temple, to be a flock, to fight the spiritual battles that we face alongside one another. Uh, How important is the assembly to you? Is the church as important to you as it is to Jesus? It needs to be. Um, You need it. Your brethren need it. And it's what God desires and commands of you. If there's any way that we can help you today, if, if you do need to, to ask for the prayers of these brethren, um, to, to reach out, uh, let them know that, that this is an area that you need to change, that you recognize you need to grow, um, please do that. Please do that. If, if, if you want to reach out to somebody personally uh, and, and work through that, um, that's why we're here. If you need to make that known to, to all of these brethren, um, we're, we're here together to do that. If there's any way uh, that you need to respond to the invitation in some some public way, we ask that you'll let it be known at this time uh, as we stand and sing together.